the story. If you're new with us uh, today, we're, we're uh, reading chapter by chapter and thinking on Sunday mornings about the story, the story of, of God that is expressed to us through the scripture. And our hope and our, our prayer and intention is that you will get to know the Bible more deeply and more profoundly and that it will change your life. I'm just sitting here watching this really cool drama and the worship and look, living the story. You got to know the story before you can live it. And I hope more and more and more uh, as we continue in this, you're going to know what the story truly is so that you can step in. So it can become your story, God's story becoming your story. And you know how to live that story well. Uh, wonderful that we're gathered together today. Uh, just a couple of quick comments before we start. We don't announce every birth. Obviously, we couldn't do that every Sunday morning, but Anna Hope Ferrier was born yesterday. Christine had a little girl, and we're just really thankful for that. Christine's uh, our children's ministry uh, uh, staff person. How appropriate that she would have another little girl, another child. Uh, and also, just very briefly, next Sunday after the service, we're going to have a town hall meeting for all of you who would like to stay after the coffee time. We're just going to be talking about our vision, sharing where we as elders are at in the journey, and we're wanting to discern the voice of God from you. We want to hear what you're thinking about where we're headed, and um, just, you know, I honestly, just get, get together and have a good talk as a congregation. So if you'd like to stay, it's going to be casual and relaxed, and uh, we'll share with you with the journey that we're on as far as that is concerned. Let me pray. Lord, road trip. <laughs> uh, it, has, it has a good ring to it. Um, and in essence, we're all on a road trip toward you. Uh, as we look into this chapter, Lord, this, this chapter in the life of your people, Israel, uh, we pray that, Lord, we will be able to connect with it. We'll be able to hear from you through it. And, Lord, we'll know what it means more and more to live the story. Um, Holy Spirit, come speak to us. Touch our lives deeply. Draw us close to you. Engage us here today, Lord, that we might know that we are in the presence of the living God and that we are hearing from you. As we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, chapter six in the story is called Wandering, and it's a, it's a whole story about movement. Uh, a ton has already happened in terms of movement. You'll remember the, the creation in Eden, and those people, Adam and Eve, were cast out of the garden. They had to move along. Uh, the story picks up with, with uh, later on with Abraham, and he's taken from his home, where the Chaldees, and he's sent to Canaan. There's movement. Uh, after a time, the, the family of Israel comes down to Egypt where there is food and they are saved because of Joseph's presence and action, the action of God in and through Joseph. In time, hundreds of years later, they've become slaves and there is a journeying from Egypt through the Red Sea to Sinai. And we looked at that last week when God re-covenanted with his people, said, I will be your God. I will love you. I will protect you. I will guide you. I will bless you. And they... We're given the Ten Commandments as an expression of that covenant. And they all said, we're in, 110%. We're in. We'll, we'll live in obedience and faith before you, God. There is a ton of movement in this story. And we're going to talk about journeying today. Journeying. Because God has a destination for these people. They have the promised land ahead of them. This place of incredible promise. This place that God has prepared for them. This place that he wants them to get to and that they long to be in. The question is, how will they get there and when will they get there in their journey? Um, and today we're going to think about our life as a journey as well. I want you to start connecting at that level. Um, and how our problem, as was the case back then, of the sinful nature, which is still part and reality of life, keeps us from getting where we want to go and where God wants us to go. 
So what I'm going to talk about today essentially is about these Israelite people um, and how direct their path would be to the place that God would want them to dwell. Um, in the end, it took them 40 years. Did you hear me? 40 years to travel from Sinai into the promised land. Um, and, and, and because of the reality of their lives, they kept getting hung up. And this is the illustration that I want to use several times today. Anybody know what this is? Anybody under 20 know what this is? Honestly. Anybody under 20 years old know what this is? One. Under 30? <laughs> Thank you, TL. One. This is an old toy. I had to go to my friend Amazon.ca to get a hold of one. Nobody has them anymore. Uh, and I, ha I could only get one that makes noise. I apologize about that. That's not really part of the illustration. But anyway, what's going on, I think, is that the reality of our lives, it certainly was the reality of the lives of the people of Israel, are, are, are that, you know, we put a ton of energy into our lives. You know, we, we, we strive and, we, and, and we, we give energy toward and we engage things. But the reality of our lives, as was the case for the Israelite people, is, you know what, sometimes we put energy into something... There's the sound. And we don't go anywhere. We just keep going round and round and round and round. And we never get to the place that we long to go, but more importantly, that God wants us to achieve. Can you relate to that at all? You know, it could be in our spiritual lives. God, I want to be holy. I want to move forward. Round and round and round. God, you know, you know, you know the reality of, of my relationships. I want them to be better. I want my marriage to be good and, and, and grow and change. But we go round and we go round and we go round and we never get to the place God wants us to go. You know, sometimes it's in our work lives, in our careers. We want to advance. We want to take steps in the right direction. It doesn't happen. We just keep going round and round and round, never journeying to the destination that God wants to take us to. And in essence, in spite of how much we might try, we get stuck in the one place. And we just keep going in circles. You know, as we meet the Israelites uh, on this part of their journey, they are wandering. They are, they're wanting to move from Sinai, which we talked about last week, to the promised land. They've been given the commandments of God. They've re-engaged covenant, and, and all is looking good. They're going to this land that's described as a land of milk and honey. It is an absolutely fantastic place in their minds. It would be like heaven for them compared to Egypt and slavery. So much promise, so much to look forward to. Somewhere it's said between a one and three million people, God is with them. He ha they have his presence in the, in the Ark of the Covenant. They have his power. You know, he parted the Red Sea and he did so much in Egypt to get them beyond what they once had. He has defeated their, their enemy, Pharaoh, and, and, and his army. God is so, so good to them in these days. But it's quite a journey that they take because over and over and over again they get tripped up um, they, they you know literally a, a journey that should have taken 40 days maybe 45 if you walked it 40 years before they engaged that blessing before they took hold of what God had for them and you know as they go into the desert after coming close because they come to the promised land and turn away they just go in circles. 
year after year after year, unable to take hold of the blessing and the promise of God. Now, the upper story of God, and for those of you who may be new, that's the, the sovereign plan which God has put in place, and he put it in place after Adam and Eve sinned, and he wanted to get his people back, and the whole story of the Bible is the upper story of God. They're going to get to the promised land. God intends it. And what God intends happens because God is sovereign. He makes it happen because he's God. The question becomes, <clears throat> how long will it be before they get there? And what's the journey they will take? And when we look at the story of the Israelite people, it's not a pretty picture. And I want to describe that lower story to you, the human experience of God and, and the purposes that he has for us and see how we can learn from it. And I want to describe you a few central characteristics that, that emerge, that are described in the lives of the people of Israel, God's people, that keep tripping them up. And I want to see whether it has any relevance to you and to me. Well, the first thing we see that's regular and an ongoing part of this journey of, of, of these folks is that they are people who consistently grumble and complain out of a critical spirit. If you've been reading the story, you can't miss this. But I'm going to read it to you. It's Numbers 11, 1 to 6, or page 71 in the story. So let me uh, just pick this up for you and, and uh, hear kind of the dynamic that's going on. We've seen it displayed for us already. Now, the people complained about their hardship in the hearing of the Lord. And when he heard them, his anger was aroused. Then fire from the Lord burned among them and consumed some of the outskirts of the camp. When the people cried out to Moses, he prayed to the Lord and the fire died down so that the place was called Teberah because the fire from the Lord had burned among them. The rabble with them began to crave other food. And again, the Israelites wail, started wailing and said, if we, only we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost, also the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic. It was so fantastic in Egypt. <laughs> but now we have lost our appetite. We never see anything but this manna. Um, <laughs> God has been so, so good to them. They were hungry, and he gave them manna. And it actually tasted good. It was coated in a sweet substance. It's like frosted flakes, right? <laughs> but they complained. And God was so good to them because he gave them the quail. He gave them meat to eat. Um, I, mean, I mean, these people, you know, thinking that Egypt was so much better, the, 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 the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence. They've forgotten how they suffered under Pharaoh. Where have their heads gone? What are they thinking? And they're certainly not seeing the reality of what God is doing among them. It's not just the people. You know, the right-hand woman and man of Moses, Miriam and, and Aaron. Let me read Numbers 12, verses uh, 1 to 2, page 73 in the story, if you've got it with you. And I hope you're studying the book. Bring it along. Make your notes. Uh, page 73 says this, Miriam and Aaron began to talk against Moses because of his Cushite wife, for he had married a Cushite. Has the Lord spoken only through Moses, they asked? Hasn't he also spoken through us? And the Lord heard this. <laughs> you know, even his most trusted people are complaining. They're jealous. They're unhappy. They're critical. And they think, who truly are they a critical of? They're critical of God because he's spoken th speaking through Moses and not through them. What we have to do is stand back and look at this with absolute objectivity. 
Here they are. They are free. They are beyond slavery in that oppression. God's presence is with them. He's come down and he, you know, in that, in that tabernacle above the Ark of the Covenant, he is present to them. This incredible reality has taken place. God has given them food. It might not be the salad that the vegetarians wanted, but it's food. He's providing for them. God is speaking to their leader, Moses, because that's how he chooses to do it. And through that, that, that communication, he is guiding them to an incredible place of blessing. You know, these people are in a remarkable place. Like, like God is all over what's going on, and all they can do is focus on the negative and what they don't have. You know, they're complaining and they're criticizing and they're grumbling. I love the word. You can just hear grumble, grumble, grumble. It's kind of like this noise, I thought. It's the only benefit I can see in the noise. Isn't that irritating? It's like, ugh. But quite frankly, because of this grumbling and negativity, they are stuck in terms of where they're going. My friends, I want to tell you that kept them spinning like a top. And that'll keep us in our lives spinning like a top too. All kinds of energy expenses expended, but getting nowhere. Getting nowhere. I want to ask you a question. Um, how do you think in your life, generally speaking? How do you think? Are you a grumbler and a complainer? Are you critical of things? Do you see the negative first? Um, I want to tell you this. We can see the negative in everything if we choose to. Or we can see the good that God is accomplishing in us, what he has done, what he is doing now, what he is yet to do because he's promised to do so. We can see the wonderful, we can see the blessings which surround us, and we can celebrate them, which do you do in life. Let me say this, wives, on any given day, you can find something to complain about in your husband. Any day. Because you know, you know why? You're all laughing. Like, this is no news to you, right? Because the sinful nature is active in him, and he's not perfect. He didn't promise when he married you, didn't vow to be perfect. He promised to love you. And even that he doesn't do always very well, right? It's just reality. He is human. And if you want to sit around thinking about the negatives and be critical of him and complain about who you're stuck with, go ahead. Live your life like that if you wish. But you could also sit back and very intentionally say, man, God has blessed my life with this man. He's not perfect, but he's good. And, and just look at all the blessings that have come into your life through him and say, thank you, God, for what I have. Now, I got to tell you, the exact same thing can happen in the other direction, all you women who laughed. Because all the husbands in this room can look at their wives and they can look and focus upon the negative if they choose and they know that you're not perfect and I know that you're not perfect and we all know that you make mistakes and if they want to be negative and critical, they can be. Tons of opportunity. Or your husband's woman can sit back and say, man, look, what, look, look at the thing that God has given me. Look at this, this woman and the marriage that we have and see the blessing in it. Which do you do? It's not just related to, you know, uh, limited to that relationship. I th think of parents and children and children and parents. Teenagers, do you ever get negative and critical about your parents? Duh. You know, I was like, Ugh. Oh, they don't give me the freedom that I want. I'm 14. I ought to be able to do what I want to do. Or 16 or whatever the case might be. 
And they're not perfect. They're just trying as hard as they can to be the people that God calls them to be because they are your parents and they are your authority in life until you're independent of them, right? And you can sit there and you can complain about them and you can grumble or you can say, God, thank you for what I have in my mom or my dad. Thank you that they provide a place for me to live and food for me to eat. And thank you that they're there when I need them and that they drive me this place and that place and that place all the time. It's our choice. Same about our church. You know, you can, you can find lots to complain about an IPC. The minister, ministers, <laughs> the elders, the staff people, the people who are sitting. You want to you see negative and complain? Go ahead. You think that's a, a good way to live your life? Go ahead. Jump right in. Enjoy it if you can, because you're not going to. It's going to make your life miserable. It's going to keep you from blessing. You know, it, it's possible that there are people here who, who grumbled and complained about their last church, and they came to this one, and they're going to be here for a little while, and then they're going to see the reality of our human nature displayed, and then they're going to move on to another church, and it's not going to take that long before you grumble and complain about that one before you have to move on again. Or you can sit back, and you can see what God has done in this church over many years, and you can see that God is with us now and what he is doing in terms of blessing, and you can look to the future in terms of what God is going to take us to, and you can go, oh my goodness, am I blessed to be part of this church. Right? It's up to us who we choose to be, how we choose to think, what we choose to focus on. Let me give one more illustration of this and make it personal again. And maybe it's the one that's going to hit closest to home for a lot of people. A lot of people look at themselves and they complain and they grumble. They're self-critical. I'm not the person I want to be. You know, sometimes it's a physical body. I'm too tall, too, too short, too fat, too thin. You know, my nose is too big. My ears are, you know, whatever. Women get that, right? I think maybe more than men. I don't care that I'm a little chubby. You know, take me or leave me kind of thing, right? <laughs> I couldn't care less. <laughs> but a lot of people care a lot. <laughs> Thank you, Robin. Thank you for that affirmation. <laughs> maybe Robin didn't know I was chubby. Maybe it's... <laughs> but sometimes it goes deeper, you know? God, you know, why am I like I am on the inside? Why can't I be more like that person? God, why am I at this place in my life? Why can't I be in that person's circumstance, whether it be career or family or wealth or whatever? You can sit back and you can look at yourself and you can be negative and complain. You can be a real grumbler and get stuck in it and not move forward and go round and round in circles, get putting a ton of energy into your life of grumbling or... You can sit back and you can recognize that you, Ephesians 2.10, you are the workmanship of God. I mean that, whether it be physically or spiritually or emotionally, whatever it is, you are who God has created you to be. And are you perfect? No. But you know what? There is a ton of blessing that has come into your life to make you the person that you are. And you can sit back and you can be thankful and you can celebrate what God has done in you. It's what we choose to do. Guess in the end of the day, I'm just asking, what's the general condition of your heart? Are you negative and critical of self and all else? Or do you see the blessing and become truly thankful for what God has done and what God will yet do? That's powerful, right? That's real. Second thing we see in the Israelite people, their lower story experience, is that they were paralyzed by fear. You ever been paralyzed by fear? 
you know, they come to the border of Canaan. They've, they've made the journey. They've walked that 40 or 45 days. Moses, the great leader, sends in 12 spies to Canaan, this, this land that God has called them and told them to go and take hold of. And they come back. I want to read this to you. Page uh, 75 in the story, um, numbers 13-something. I didn't write it down. But those guys back there are really good at this, and they're going to figure this out for us. Page 75. This is what uh, the report is. At the end of the 40 days they had been in there that long, they returned from exploring the land. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us and it does flow with milk and honey. It is this incredible place. Here, it is, here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. And Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. But the man who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread uh, among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said the land is we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak uh, come from the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And we looked the same to them. Uh, you see the negativity that's taken hold in the lives of these people? It's all negative. It's all bad. We can't do it. And I want to tell you that negativity produces, produced in them lies because I want to suggest to you everything that they reported is not true. I mean, does the land actually going to open up and swallow them? Like, no, it's not. <laughs> Are all the people giants? No. And so on and so forth. They're, they're, they're thinking negatively and it produces lies and very often out of those lies we come to a place of paralyzing fear. What's going on in you? What's going on in you? Here, here is the, the, the response after the fact where not the 10 re respond, but Caleb and Jos uh, Joshua, the two that went in came back with a positive report. They say this, page 76 um, of, of the story, Numbers 14, verses 6 to 11. The land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. Exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into the land, a land flowing with milk, with honey, milk and honey, and he will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. But the whole assembly talked about stoning them. <laughs> then the glory of the Lord appeared in the tent of meeting to all the Israelites. The Lord said to Moses, how long will these people, listen to this, how long will these people treat me with contempt? How long will they refuse to believe in me in spite of all the signs I have performed among them, in spite of the incredible blessing that I have poured into their lives, in spite of the power that I have exercised to bring them victory after victory over Pharaoh and others? <laughs> See, my friends, we either do what Caleb Encourage, trust God to give us victory. Trust God to act in, in, in power, 
knowing that he will deal with a challenge that before us or stay back in fear and don't take hold of the blessing that God wishes to give. You see, the reality is we can believe that God isn't with us and that he's not going to be a- act on our behalf or we can literally believe that he is and that he's going to take care of our problems. Have you encountered that reality in your life? Have you ever stood back and literally said, God, this is too big for me, but I know that you're with me and I know that you've promised to bless me and to protect me and to guide me and I'm just going to step into this and I'm going to trust you to take care of my problems and I'm not going to be afraid anymore. These people chose, as you know if you've read the story, to embrace fear and to head away from the promised land and for 40 years they wandered in circles never getting to what God had for them. I want to ask you this question. Where is fear at work in your life right now? Right now. Where is it holding you back from taking hold of the blessing that God has for you? Is it in a relationship? Is it in a business venture and God by his spirit is saying, take that step, move forward, trust me, and I will provide? Is it in your spiritual life, your relationship with God, where he's asking you to take an action and you're going, oh God, that would be really hard. That really scares me silly. Even though you know he's in it and he'll provide and take care of you, you're holding back. God calling you into some form of ministry whether it's in this building or beyond, and you know that he is ready to do something really cool if you'll just take that step and you're saying, God, I don't know if I can do that. That scares me. On and on it goes. See, I want want to tell you, it is really easy, as is the case here, to look at yourself and say, I'm too small, I'm, I'm incapable, I'm like a grasshopper compared to the problem. That's what these people did, literally. And they refuse to go where God would have them go. It is so easy to see or to think that, you know, I'm doing life on my own. And and although I believe in God, he's not here. He's not going to intervene. He's not going to exercise his power. So much so that we believe that kind of lie again and we just don't choose to enter into blessing. I want to read to you the reality of our lives. It comes from Romans 8, 35. And then 37. Listen to this. This is God's word to you. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Scary. (laughs) No, in all these things we are more than, say the word with me, conquerors through him who loved us. My friends, if you're in Christ, if you believe in him, if you have that relationship with him, he is with you and he will exercise his power through you and he will overcome whatever the challenge is that you are facing today. He will accomplish the challenge, not you. That's what these, that's what Caleb said. You know, our our fear is all about what we can't do. It's all about our strength. But this text isn't about that at all. It's all about God and God's strength. 
And I'm here to tell you, based on the word of God, that you don't need to be afraid because God will accomplish what God wishes to accomplish in you. And instead of fearing, we just have to trust. Just trust that God will act. The third characteristic, let's do this more briefly, but the thing that holds us back is repetitive sin patterns. Now, you can't read this story without seeing this. Over and over and over again, these Israelites, they got stuck in the same sins time after time after time. Energy and work and expenditure of strength. But they went nowhere with their sin. Same thing over and over again. We've heard about the grumbling today. You know, it just kept happening. Over and over and over, God blesses and they grumble and God forgives them and then he blesses and they grumble some more and he forgives them by grace and they he, he, he gives and gives and gives and they just keep on grumbling but the other one I just want to take a moment with is what we talked a lot about last week and that is idolatry and I don't mind bringing it up again because I, I hope that if God spoke last week that you've done something about it and not just forgotten it and moved on when you left the building you know these Israelites they as they were on their journey as as, as, as they were walking through these 40 years, they would come way too close to foreign nations. They would intermarry with them, and they would worship their gods. Um, number 25, 1 to 3, chapter 82 in your storybook. 82. I'm going to get there. I cut my finger yesterday, and I got to... takes longer. Okay, here we go. While, the Israel, while Israel was in Shittim, the man began to indulge in sexual immorality with Moabite women who invited them to sacrifice to their gods. The people ate the sacrificed meal and bowed down before these gods. So Israel yoked themselves to the Baal of Peor. They worshipped that other god. And the Lord's anger burned against them. You know, all this after they have met God at Sinai, after God has given them the first three commandments about idolatry, and after they have built the golden calf and worshipped it and experienced the consequences of that, they do it again and again and again and again. We're going to see it. They just can't stop worshipping foreign idols. And they get stuck. And they're unable to break free. Are you stuck? Are you stuck in that, in that sin that took hold of you maybe five years ago and you're still there? Or 10 years ago or 20? Happens. Is it grumbling? That negative attitude that just lacks the faith to see the reality of what God is doing? Is it gossip? Is it greed? Is it gluttony? Is it lust? You know, I can't go through all the sins. I'm just asking you the question, is there an ongoing, it's called besetting sin scripturally that you just can't break free from? Um, if that's the case, I want you to know some things. You, you might just be going in circles with this one, right? Over and over and over again. But I want you to hear this and I want you to know this. God will help you break free of that sin if you really enter into relationship with him in a dynamic, and, a, a dynamic way that will allow his power to overcome. 
What do you need to do to get there? Well, honestly, you need to draw near to God, probably in a new way. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you, he says. He promises that. Talk about blessing. It's before you if you wish. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Give time and energy and focus to that relationship. Spend time with him day after day after day. Prioritize worship. Live in obedience to the Lord to the extent that you can, and invite the Lord to come to be so present by his spirit within you that he fills your life anew. As he fills your life anew, you know what you need to do ultimately and obviously is to repent. You need to confess, Lord, this is my sin and I'm sorry for it. And you need to keep on confessing until it's gone. But repentance is more than confession. It's changing your thinking and your heart about that actual sin, which allows you to change the direction of your life. Understand, you can't change your behavior until this changes. A lot of people just work in the level of behavior and they get stuck. might be you. But no, change the mind, change the heart through your encounter of, of the God of power and of grace and of healing and the behavior in time will change. If you are stuck in one of these besetting sins, uh, uh, repetitive sin patterns, what you also need to do is to develop an accountability with some people in your life about this reality. In other words, you can't keep it secret anymore. You gotta get that bunch of guys or bunch of women together and say, this is my sin. Confess your sin to one another, we're told in scripture do it and have those people make you accountable for this sin just ask you on a somewhat regular basis hey how are you doing because you know what because they know and because you know they're going to ask you about this that will make a difference in terms of what you do this is the body of Christ at work in a way that so many of us just don't go towards because we live in shame and we don't want anybody to know what we're struggling with well, the dynamic reality of Christianity is that we stop playing that game when we come clean with God and we seek forgiveness. And you know what? We come clean with one another, trusted people in our lives who understand the power of grace and will love us and be good to us regardless. That will help set us free. And my friends, as we take these steps, the, the God of Israel, Yahweh, will come into our lives because he's present and his power will move and he promises that he will set us free. He can do what you can't do in this area of life. But we have to embrace it. Here's the question ultimately that I have for you today. Are you moving forward in your life into greater blessing? Or are you stuck? That's a pretty powerful question. <laughs> I know that reality. These people, again, I'm going to say it took 40 years to get into the promised land. And you know what? A lot of them never got there. Anybody who was 20 years or age of over at Sinai when they worshipped the golden calf, they, they were to die in the wilderness before they got in. I don't want that to be you never getting to that place of promise. I want to read to you Moses' final speech. It's at the end of this chapter before the people of Israel went in under Joshua's leadership to the promised land. God said, Moses, I'm going to show it to you, but because of the rock and that incident and striking the rock instead of speaking to it, uh, you're not going in, and he's about to die. But in Deuteronomy 30, uh, 15 to 16, and then 19 to 20 on page 87, this is what Moses says to these people. His, his people that he's endured for 40 years, blessed, given leadership to, being patient with, and so forth. He says this, See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. Anybody really cool and uh, really you know, big on the death and destruction part of this for your own life and 
experience. Let me see those hands. I, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction, for I command you today to love the Lord your God. Love him. To walk in obedience to him. To keep his commands, decrees, and laws. Then you will live and increase, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. <laughs> there are the two options. Jump down on a paragraph. This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice, and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life, and he will give you many years in the land he swore to give you to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. My friends, I want to tell you there is potential blessing ahead of you if you will just listen to those words. If, if, if you will trust in the God who is with you, there is freedom, there is life in Christ, there is heaven on earth. It's called eternal life, both now and forever. If we would just choose it and step into it. What steps do we need to take step by step by step in our journey? We have to choose gratitude and celebration over negative thinking and grumbling and complaining. Will you do it? We have to choose faith over fear. What will you do? And we have to choose overcoming. Paul's word in Romans chapter 8. We have to choose overcoming by the power of God that is at work within us from the sin that's holding us back. You know what it all boils down to is how do I want to live my life? And do I want the full blessing of God? Do I want to live that abundant life? Someone said to me recently, you know, when Jesus said <clears throat> we're called to live the abundant life, he was literally just saying, you can live the best life that it's possible to live. You can. And it's all wrapped up in following Jesus faithfully. My friends, I, want to, I just want to finish up here, and I, I, I want to say, take hold of this possibility. And don't wait 40 years. You don't have to wait 40 years. It can happen today. Take hold of the possibility of knowing that God is with you, of listening to his voice, as Moses said, of obeying his call and his commandments so that you might find life in Christ. Pursue this until you take hold of it and never give up until you discover the incredible blessing of the promised land in your experience. And I just want to finish with the question, do you want that? Some of you will take hold of it. Some of you will see God move in power in ways that you couldn't imagine as you face the challenges and you seek to overcome the sin by his strength. As you give up negative thinking and the grumbling and the complaining and the critical spirit, God can accomplish all of these things in you if you'll only but say yes to him. Let's pray. Lord, I uh, stand before this people today and I know from the truth of Scripture that you know every single one of them and you love every single one of them deeply and profoundly. And that you set before them the promised land. But in each of their lives, there's something that's potentially going to trip them up. I don't know how you've spoken to them today, but my sense is that you, your spirit has. 
For some of them, it might be the negative thinking and the grumbling. For some of them, Lord, it, it might be that fear that's keeping them from moving forward. For some of them, it might be that besetting sin, that repeated sin pattern. God, all I care about right now is that you come by the power of your spirit and enable them to say, this is what I want, and I'm going to give myself to taking the steps that are necessary so that the power of God might flow in and through me, that I'm, I might enter into the promised land here and now. So God, what I pray for every single person here this morning is that they will know your presence and that they will know your power, that they will trust you to the depth of their being. And I pray that you will work so that they will live their lives in blessing, in celebration and in gratitude, in faith and in overcoming. God, bless these people. Bless this church family as we seek after you in our journey together. Thank you, God, that you're with us. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you can do what we can't do. Thank you, God, for your blessing. And our Lord, this we pray.